You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. Bob, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the opportunity to bring your word. It's life to us, it's healing for us, it's comfort for us. It's assurance for our future. And I thank you, your promise to me was if I would open my mouth wide, you would fill it. And so I rest knowing that I myself am not enough, but you are everything. So I thank you, you will teach us today. You're faithful. You'll teach them, you'll teach me. And I thank you, we can only leave changed. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I told you that I'm studying in the book of Hebrews. And I came uh, to the Hall of Fame. This this favorite, uh, famous chapter in Hebrews 11. And God brags on all his people, everything that they did. And near the end of the chapter, he makes a statement. And he says, all these people did all of these things because their weakness was turned into strength. And it just, you can read and study and all of a sudden, something will just pop out. Their weakness was turned into strength. So I started meditating on just that one verse. And the title of this message is Turning Weakness into Strength. Now the world will tell you that uh, it is the most uncool thing to be weak. The world will tell you, um, you got to get it together. Where's your faith? What's the problem? You're weak? You're weak in faith? Or you don't have enough money? What's the problem? In any weakness that you can name in your life, the world will see as a problem. In the kingdom of God, it is just the opposite. God's strength flows to your weakest point. And the weaker that you are, the more his strength will pour. And so what in the natural started out as a liability becomes your asset being weak in God's kingdom. See, everything in the kingdom is reversed. You want your prayers answered? Job, he said, the Bible says, Job prayed for the captivity of his friends and God gave Job a double portion. You want your prayers answered with a double portion? Pray for somebody else. The Bible says, you broke, give. And it'll be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over with men given to your bosom. You depressed? The Bible says, he who refreshes, finds somebody else to encourage, will himself be refreshed. Everything in the kingdom is reversed. And so what the world says is a weakness I embrace. 
Did you know that David in the Bible was successful in everything except the one place he didn't talk to God about his weakness? He won battles. He cut Goliath's head off. In fact, were we in the stream where, where we picked up the rocks, where David picked them up? When he fought Goliath, yeah. 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 Did you know that the one place that David failed was the one place he didn't confess his weakness to God? Bathsheba. I guess he thought, I can handle this woman problem. I don't know. But the one area he didn't say, I need help. I'm struggling. It's not okay, was the one place he failed. Jeremiah said, 9.24, he said, Let not a man boast in his riches. Let not a man boast in his wisdom. Let not a man boast in his power. None of the things that you think make you look good and build you up. God said, mm, 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 not impressed. Not impressed. Don't come to me with that. So Hebrews 11 says, they did all of these things. They shut the mouths of lions. They put armies to flight. They did all of these things. How? Because they allow God to turn their weakness into strength. So let's look at it. Before, um, before you put the first one up, hold on. 2 Corinthians 12 talks about Paul. And he, Paul said, I was given a thorn in the flesh to keep me humble. Another translation says, so I wouldn't be proud. Why? Paul had all of these experiences. He was taught personally by the Lord for three years. Then he said, I was caught up to the third heaven where I saw things unspeakable. Whether I was in the body or not, I don't even know. But I saw things that are not lawful for me to come back and tell you about. You'll see them when you get there. He said, but I was caught up to the third heaven. Who else could say that? And so Paul said, I was given a messenger in the flesh, a thorn in the flesh, to keep me humble. Now, a lot of people used to teach well, that thorn was a physical thing. No, if you study it out, it was a messenger of Satan. And wherever Paul would go, they would, he would try to, that spirit would disrupt his meetings. Try to kill him. Try to distract the people from receiving for the Lord. He said, three times I begged God to take this spirit away. Three times I begged him. Paul, who was caught up to the third heaven. Let me tell you what he said. Second Corinthians 12, 9. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Paul said, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, troubles, all that I suffer for Christ. 
For when I am weak, then I am strong. God told him, he said, my power works best in weakness. When you feel you can't take another step, he said, you'll see my power like you never saw it. When you feel like you can't get up, when you feel like you can't even whisper a prayer, he said, you about to see my power like you never saw it. Because my power works best in weakness. Let's look at Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. That was nothing. And all of a sudden, the word of God speaks. God speaks and stuff starts manifesting and appearing. The things that you see came from nothing that you can see. And it's a little hint or a clue as to how you want things to change in your life. You call it into existence. You call it not what you see, what you don't see. Next one. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offerings gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. And although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by the example of his faith. Now, what I did was in Hebrews 11, it lists so many people that God is proud of. It's like his trophy chapter. So I didn't do all of them. So I didn't do all of them. What I did do was just pick out a few. It says that Abel, go back, sweetie. It says that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Why? Because his offering was a blood offering. His brother bought something from the field, some vegetables. But Abel had an understanding. Something has to die. Something has to bleed. Something has to suffer to atone for me. And so what happened was in Hebrews 11, if you start looking there, see, we didn't know about grace several years ago. But now when we go to the word of God, we look for pictures of Jesus. And so Abel brought a gift that was a picture of Jesus. Go to the next one. Why is blood important? In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That's why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. 
the things in heaven could only be purified by the blood of his son. But it was a picture that he was coming. And Abel had a, a picture on the inside, he's coming. And the best I got is an animal I can bring you, God, but it's a picture that your son is coming. And his gift was acceptable to the Lord. Next one, Hebrews 11.5. Let's look at Enoch for a minute. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And I put beside Enoch's name, Enoch was reward conscious and not sin conscious. And how do I know? Well, faith is the belief that I'm going to get something even though I don't see it. And nowhere does it say it's based on what I do. Faith is a belief system. And look what it says. Anyone who comes to him, in verse 6, must believe that God exists and that he what? He rewards. And Enoch believed this. And God was so impressed that he just walked one day right on into heaven. Just walked right on into heaven. And the only testimony that we have of anybody else doing that other than Jesus is Elijah. Just walked right on into heaven. Hebrews 11, 7. It was by faith, we're going to look at Noah. Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Now most people would say, what did Noah do that was so great? And everybody would say, well, he built the ark. But God doesn't give him credit for building the ark. Look what God gives him credit for. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened. And by his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. God's bragging on his faith. God is bragging on his belief system, not the boat. Because see, when you believe right, everything you do will be a fruit of that. He built the boat because he had a good opinion of God. Period. And God never mentions the ark. He mentions his faith. He had confidence in me. I like what Joseph Prince said. He said, God really likes it when you trust him. It's that simple. He really likes it when you trust him. Let's look at Abraham. Go back, Carmen. 
It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And I'm gonna tell you, that is so impressive. Cause see, as a woman, we like to have all our ducks in a row. We like to have everything planned. Tell me where I'm gonna hang my curtains, okay? Let, give me some, some comfort here. Give me some stability. He went to Sarah and said, God said, we got to move. Where you going? I don't know. Just pack your stuff. And I'm going to tell you, in the Middle East, in Israel, oh my goodness, the mountains and the hills and the valleys and the mountains and the valleys. And, and he went not even knowing where he was going. And you think about it. These guys really should be in the Bible because if the Lord came to you and said, I need you to move, where? I'll tell you. We'd have to go to two or three people and say, what is the Lord saying to you? Have you heard anything? We're going to deep prayer. One of my favorite uh, women of God is Corey Ten Boom. And if you ever read a book, you should read Tramp for the Lord. Probably the best book I ever read. And she had been in a Nazi concentration camp and supernaturally let out. It was by accident. And so when she got out, God sent her back. She said, God, where am I going to go now? You got to have this powerful ministry for me because you spared my life. I think she was in Poland, one of them in Poland. And he said, you're going back and minister to the people that killed your family and used to torture you in prison. And she said, what? And she went back and she ministered to those people. And she was so in tune to the Lord. In fact, I used to work with a lady when Corey was alive, she would come to Charlotte. And she said that uh, Corey stayed in their home. And she said they would sit around her chair and just ask her questions about the Lord. And they would ask her something, she'd do this. She'd bow her head. And then she'd raise her head and tell them what the Lord had said. She was so in tune to the Lord. And she would get a word from God, let's say a country, Rwanda. And she would tell her aide, God said, we're going to Rwanda. And her aide would say, well, how long and what part of Rwanda? She said, I don't know, that's all I got. Pack her bags, go to Rwanda. And they would sometimes sit on the curb of a street and wait for God to do the next thing he was going to do. And without fail, he did it every time. I really admire somebody that the Bible says went, not even knowing where he was going. We don't have to have the blueprint if you got him. What was the song? He'll make a way out of no way. All you need is him. Go to the next one, Carmen. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son. Even though God had told him, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. This is so powerful because he's dealing now with his belief system. God told him to kill his only son, but what does he believe? 
Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Why? Because as far as Abraham was concerned, when he raised his hand, he was going to bring it all the way down. The angel had to stop him. He was already committed. So the Bible says, in a sense, he did receive his son back from the dead because he was, he was already going to do it. But how did he get to that point? It was what did he reason? What did he believe? What was his belief system? His belief system was, you know what? I don't like this news. But with God, all things are possible. If he said my sons will, will come from this boy, he'll have to raise him back from the dead because he's not a man that he should lie. It was his belief system. And it wasn't so much that he raised his hand, it was what he reasoned that got him there. You see, raising his hand was just a fruit of what he believed about God. Now I want to talk a little bit about Abraham and I want to talk a little bit about the covenant because God is really impressed with Abraham. And we need to look at it for a minute because the Bible says we are seeds of Abraham and heir to the promise. Seeds of Abraham. Abraham was making a covenant with God. God needed somebody on the earth that was willing to make the covenant even though he couldn't be the one. God had to make it with Jesus himself. But he needed a human that was willing. And a covenant has, you know how a covenant is made? Both sides have to be willing to do what the other person would do. Otherwise, we ain't in covenant. You want to make a covenant with me that if your car breaks down, I'll come and get you. And if mine breaks down, I can call you and you'll come and get me. Well, let's say I want to come every time. And you want to come if it's convenient. No covenant. That's not a covenant. A covenant is both sides have to be willing to do the same. Let's look at Abraham just for a moment. Abraham was willing to offer up his son as a sacrifice. God also was willing to offer up his only son as a sacrifice. Abraham brings his son on a donkey to the land that he's going to sacrifice him in, the Temple Mount, which is what the world is fighting over now. Rock is still in there. He brought his son on a donkey. Jesus was brought on a donkey to the land of sacrifice. In fact, you can stand on uh, Mount of Olives and see the gate he went in. Abraham places the wood on the shoulders of his son. We're talking about covenant now. God placed the cross on Messiah's shoulders. Abraham's son carried the wood up the mountain to the place of sacrifice. Our Messiah carried the cross to the place of sacrifice. Abraham lays him down and binds him to the wood. Messiah is bound to the cross. 
His father is about to use his knife and slay Isaac, but judgment is stopped. Judgment is allowed to come on Jesus, and it is not stopped. But at that point, they went covenant. They went covenant. The next one I want to look at is Sarah. She's one of my favorite. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. What does God brag about? What she believed. What is God impressed with? What she believed. She had a good opinion of God. He will keep his promise. Even if my womb is dead. Even if my husband can't perform. God will keep his promise. It's all about what you believe. It's all about your belief system. How far are you willing to go? And in fact, in one translation, it says she receives strength to conceive. Where did she get that strength? It wasn't by eating the right thing. Her womb was dead. It was her belief system. She had walked with the Lord to the point some of you uh, probably know the history and a lot, of you, a lot of you probably know it. Abraham used to lie. In fact, there are two times that he lied and told her to go sleep with the king, King Abimelech. And one time he said, go sleep with Pharaoh. Save my neck. They like you. They like you. And I will see you in the morning. And Sarah didn't panic. She did not panic. And because she didn't panic, she would come out of both situations untouched with the wealth of Pharaoh, the wealth of King Abimelech, and her husband's honor was still intact. And how did she do it? The Bible says to be a true daughter of Sarah, you have to refuse to be anxious or panic. God tells us how she did it. She refused to panic. God would keep his promise. Even if my husband didn't step up. Even if the king has plans and Pharaoh has plans, God will keep his promise. And she received strength to conceive and was delivered of a child, even when she was past age. Scripture. And what does God brag about? She believed that God would keep his promise. That's what he brags about. He doesn't mention her mistakes, and she made them. It was taking so long, she offered her handmaiden to Abraham, and he said, fine. And they made Ishmael. Finally, when the Lord came in a pre-incarnate appearance to them, and they told Abraham, you're going to have a son. She was in the tent, and she heard, and she started laughing. I've waited all this time. And she was rebuked for laughing. She said, I didn't laugh this. Oh, yes, you did, but you're going to have your baby anyway. So it wasn't that she woke up one morning and she was just there. I got this. 
I believe God, it was progressive. And it's like that with us too. Sometimes he'll teach me the same thing over and over and over until I get it. And then we'll move on to something else. But nobody wakes up in the morning and you're there. I believe God for everything, really. I choose to be weak and let his strength flow to me. Because the very time you think you're strong, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And it was progressive with Sarah. The king didn't touch her. She was like, okay. Pharaoh, I'm supposed to sleep with Pharaoh? Pharaoh never touched her. I got to keep following my husband around when I don't know where we're going, but he keeps providing for us. And she watched how God dealt with Abraham and she watched how God dealt with her. And she reached a place where she got it. He keeps his promises. Even if nothing in the natural is lining up, he keeps his promises. Go to the next one. Then Jacob said to Joseph, we're going to look at Joseph just for a minute. I never thought I would see your face again. I'm sorry, Jacob, but now God has let me see your children too. Let me give you the background. This may be one of the most powerful ones in Hebrews 11. And I think Carmen and I were talking about it years ago. And you actually brought it to my attention. Jacob's uh, son that he decided to give the coat to was Joseph, the coat of many colors. And I think it was indicative of what God was going to do with Joseph. But Joseph went around bragging. Not a smart thing to do. And so he goes around bragging to his brothers repeatedly. And they get a little frustrated. And one day he sent out to check on them. And they're like, we got a plan. We're going to kill him. That's extreme, but it makes you wonder how much Joseph had been. He wasn't out in the fields. He was walking around in his coat. They said, let's just kill him. I think it was Reuben. I got to double check and said, no, let's not. Let's not. So they put him in a pit. And at the first opportunity, he was sold as a slave. And he ended up in Egypt. Now, Joseph's mama's gone. And all we have left are Joseph. I mean, yeah, Joseph's mama has passed. And all we have left now is Joseph and Benjamin from the wife that he loved. And they come back and they take the coat or something and they put some kind of blood on it and they go back to their father and say, see, some wild animal must have killed him. He's lost the wife that he loves and now you tell him Joseph is gone. In all of those years, can you imagine the grief can you imagine the type of grieving? And some people struggle to even recover from something like that. They do. Some don't. And years down the road, there's a famine and they have to go to Egypt and you know the story. And who is there in charge? But Joseph. 
And through a series of events, it becomes evident he reveals himself to his brothers and he says, now go get our father. Bring everybody back to Egypt. The Lord put me here. The thing that you meant for my harm, God meant for my good. Bring them back. And this was Jacob's statement. He said, I never thought. Do you have any situations where you maybe have given up? He said, I never thought I would see your face again. But now he's talking to Joseph. He says, but now God has let me see your children too. Because see, when God restores, he always gives you back more than what was lost. Always more. It would have been enough for Jacob to just see Joseph. God said, no, I got more. I'll let you see him and I'll let you see the next one. The next set of descendants. Go to the next one. And I put beside Jacob's name. Before he died, he had a picture of Jesus as the Redeemer. The Redeemer. See, in Hebrews, you're looking for snapshots of Jesus. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. And I put beside Moses' name, Jesus the Transformer. Go to the next verse. 2 Corinthians 3.18. I had to call Matthew for this one last night. 2 Corinthians 3.18. He said, oh, my favorite verse. But we all with unveiled face, belonging as in a mirror, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. We see him just like looking in the mirror and we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord who is the Spirit. What's the saying in a nutshell? As you behold Jesus, you get transformed into his image. What was happening to Moses? He was beholding the one that was invisible. And because he was beholding the one that was invisible, he could leave Egypt. The Bible says he rather choose the sufferings of Christ than the riches of Egypt. I'm sorry, yeah, riches of Egypt. And he was in the palace. Why? Because he was beholding the one that was invisible. And then I just have a few more. Next one, Carmen. Hebrews 11, 33 through 34. By faith, these people, and I didn't mention all of them, it would take all morning. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. You all know about uh, Daniel and the lion's den. How would you like to go in a cave and spend the night with a lion? Would you come out? <laughs> Daniel came out quenched the flames of fire 
and escaped death by the edge of the sword. And then God says something so powerful. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. God's power is made the strongest in your weakest place. And he will allow you to walk and walk and walk through so many things until you reach a point where God got this. And he's long-suffering. And he's patient. And he doesn't rebuke me if my knees shake. He told me in his word, even if you believe not, yet I abide faithful. I cannot deny myself. We were joking the other day and I said, when Peter was walking on the water and drowning, God didn't say, where's your faith? What's your problem? He's drowning in the Sea of Galilee. It was just instantly translated into the boat. Their weakness was turned into strength. And I submit to you, it was all because of right believing. I started out by telling you Jeremiah 9.24. God said, let not a man boast in his wisdom or in his power or in his riches. But this is what he wants you to boast in. Those who wish to boast should boast in this alone that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. Everything we need. He demonstrates unfailing love. He brings the righteousness to the earth, his son. He says, if you boast, boast in the fact that you truly know me and understand who I am. And Paul comes to a point where he says, you know what? I choose to boast in my weakness because when I do, the power of God will rest on me in his glory. My weakness is an opportunity to experience the power of God. My weakness is an opportunity to have my weakness turn to strength. My weakness is an opportunity for God to show up and show out. My weakness is only a starting point with the Lord. He himself will carry me across the finish line. And I boast not only in my weakness, but in the power of the Lord and in his faithfulness. And I don't run from it. I give it to him. Father, I thank you. I thank you. We don't have to worry about anything. At least of all where we feel weak. Because you're drawn to those weak places in our lives. And you take, like Stephen said earlier, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And sometimes I'm even foolish in my own eyes. 
and all the more you'll use us to confound the wise. And you alone deserve the glory, and you alone will get the glory. And we rest knowing that you are committed to us. And you gave us pictures of your son Jesus in Hebrews before we see him again. Thank you, Father. We can rest. We can rest like Sarah. We can rest like Enoch. We can rest like Noah. We can rest like Abraham. We can be like Sarah who said she believed that God would keep his promise. We can rest because that's all you will ever do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.